This is the Brandy Johnson, the connector, and welcome to the For the Love of Queens group. Shadow guys, let them know what we about. Then clap, clap. You post it up. We gon' fact check. Matter of fact, scratch. Hey everyone, welcome to Woke Wednesday with the Brandy Johnson, also known as The Connector, brought to you by the FLQ Empowerment History Networking Facebook group. I am, of course, Brandy Johnson, The Connector. I am an empowerment mindset coach, a motivator, an author, and an entrepreneur. And I am joined by my brother King, Derek Butler, who is the founder of DB Empowers and also the founder of Victory Village Facebook group. How are you doing, Brother King? Uh, I'm good, Sister Queen. How are you? Absolutely fabulous. So I'm excited to get a chance to talk to you because you are very unique in your approach to how you like to help people. <laughs> so before we jump into that, let's let everybody know what our topic is today. And our topic is actually just simply an acronym, S-E-L-F. And we're going to go over what each letter stands for and the importance and impact of each letter you can expect to experience, especially if you choose to work with my brother King here, who is also a coach. So let's jump into the first one. What's the S for? All right, my sister Queen, the S is for safety. Safety. A lot of people get that confused when you're just thinking about safety. They think about just physical safety, but there's more than just physical safety. You also have mental safety, social safety, and you have moral safety. So when we're talking about being safe, we're talking about physically, mentally, socially, and morally. All right. So what are some examples uh, of being safe uh, physically? Physically, is you are, are you creating a safe environment? Or are you keeping your hands to yourself? Are you not threatening people? Are you not trying to, you know, put your hands on people? You're not acting out of your Acting, taking, taking out your your frustration and your feelings out on others in a physical manner. You ever been in a situation where you see somebody come around you and they're they're too unpredictable and you don't feel safe around them physically? That's because it's a threat of physical violence or harm. So that's the physical safety part. All right. So you have people like that in your life. Uh, what is the best way to start to like remove that 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 thing from your your bubble? When I, when, I, when I deal with people like that, man, I try to process through the situation to figure out what's going on with them. Because what it all comes back to is their emotional state. What it all comes back to is the things that they've been through in life, and they don't know how to manage their emotions. It comes back to them being angry, to being mad, to being frustrated. But those are the surface-level emotions. So when you get down to it, you get to those root emotions. They're either hurt, they're scared, they feel ashamed, but it's easier to act out the anger or the mad or the frustration. So what I try to do is I try to figure out what's really going on. What really got you upset right now? Let's try to talk through this. So if we had a point where we can try to process through and I can de-escalate the situation, I will. If it's at a time where this person is extremely unsafe, if you're not going to remove yourself, I got to remove myself. Okay? Because I can't be around because, you know, safety is one of, is, is our most basic need. Like before you can have anything else, you have to be to feel safe. And if you mm -hmm. don't feel safe, nothing else really matters. All right. So to those brother kings that grew up in rougher environments that have never really known the feeling of safety, what what? how do you get through to those brother kings? 
I let them know that it's okay about what you're thinking. It's okay about how you're feeling. Okay. And that will bring us into the next part is emotions because everything stems for our emotions. And that's what that the E is in self, how to deal with and manage your emotions. And I tell them, listen, you're not wrong for how you feel. We're all born with emotions, right? We all get emotions. Emotions aren't the enemy. And we got to find a way for you to better manage your emotions and express your thoughts and your feelings in a way that is not damaging or detrimental to someone else. So a lot of times I get young people, I get even grown men who they know nothing other than to fight. That's mm-hmm. the way to get it across because if you tell somebody, hey, man, what you said, brother, that hurt me, you're viewed as somebody that's soft or someone that can be walked over to take advantage of. So I start with telling them, hey, you're allowed to feel that way. You're allowed to be mad. You're allowed to be angry. You're allowed to feel hurt. But what's important is not about what you feel, but how you express what you feel. So people who come from rough backgrounds like I did, people who come from you know situations where you're constantly stuck in survival mode, I let them know there's a better way to deal with that. There's a better way to deal with that with those emotions because that anger that you're feeling right now, there's a lot of young people who are dead and gone for what they did in moments of anger. And there's a lot more young people in jail for the rest of their lives because of what they did in moments of anger. We cannot be a slave to our emotions. We cannot be a slave to our feelings and the people or things that put us in our feelings. Absolutely true. And and for those that associate learning to communicate on a higher level rather than uh, lean on on physical altercations and the like. Uh, What do you have for for them? Those that like, we we have people in our lives or we have known people or we've even been the people that that just fly off at the drop of a hat. Mm -hmm. What, What was that realization because I know when you said you said when you were younger, when we were talking earlier, that, mm-hmm. that you fight a lot, right? Yes. Was that because of the inability to communicate your emotions? What it comes down to, yeah, it, it was that. But for me, and you know, you know a little bit about my story. And this is for most brothers, let's just say most brothers who are in the hood, most brothers who come from them from from you know them them concrete jungles, as I like to call it. A lot of times you have to express yourself physically to get your point across because you know no other way. Emotions aren't dealt well in the household. You're angry. You're upset. You're frustrated. You know no other way. So the thing about it for me is a lot of my emotions came from how I viewed myself. A lot of my frustration, a lot of my fighting came from a promise I made to myself as a little boy who's been physically, emotionally, and sexually abused that when I get old enough, when I get big enough, when I get strong enough, no one ever take advantage of me. So a lot of times when people are fighting or when people are frustrated, it's not always about the immediate threat. A lot of times it's about the perceived threat. It's about how you think people are looking at you because you're in survival mode. You're not seeing nothing else. So you're automatically wanting to defend yourself, defend your pride, defend your manhood because you're thinking that somebody is trying to take advantage of you. So that's why a simple look can spark something off. A bump on the shoulder will spark something off. It's about being in touch with knowing where you're at emotion and being able to regulate those emotions, regulate those thoughts and feelings so you don't have to act out that way. Got you. Now, I, I follow the works of uh, Sister Queen by the name of Joyce DeGruy, Dr. Joyce DeGruy, excuse mm-hmm. me, Dr. Joy DeGruy. Mm-hmm. 
And some of her works identifies the fact that like in the the black family in particular, a lot of trauma is actually passed down from generation to generation. The reason why I'm touching on this is because we've gone over before that you are actually trauma informed. So how true do you believe that to be? And like, what ways have you seen it happen? And what ways have you been able to help people work through that? The fact that that trauma has been passed down, even though they've never experienced some of the things of the past themselves, but still react as if they have. Well, first of all, understanding what trauma is. Trauma is just like anything that is, you know, threatening, anything that is damaging to, you know, the way you operate, to the way you do things. I break trauma down in layman terms. Anything that disrupts you. It makes you feel physically unsafe, mentally unsafe. So I'm looking at it like this, Lo. So if you have a mother, right, your your, your mother who doesn't know love, doesn't, hasn't been loved, who's been abused, who's been beaten, um, had a rough childhood herself coming up, she's going off of only what she knows. So the only way she knows is what she's seen and what she grew up in. So she's passing that down right there. So there's no real way to really connect. She doesn't know how to connect. That attachment isn't there. She doesn't know because really uh, the breakdown comes in the first couple of years of life. The breakdown comes with how that mother raises that young man or that young woman, the attachment, the bond that they have. Do they feel safe with their own mother? You understand what I'm saying? So now you're going into attachment theories and, and looking at like, have they been abandoned? Have they been abused? So if you don't, if your mother doesn't know how to love you properly, if your mother doesn't know how to care for you and connect with you and bond with you properly, you're already at a disadvantage. So now you might not physically be abused, but what you're looking at is you don't know how to bond with people. You don't know how to attach to people. So that's that trauma right there because you don't know you're treating everybody like they're unsafe, like you can't trust them. And in this world, the most important thing for us, man, everybody wants to feel safe, connected, and in control. And that starts in the home. So a lot of times what I see is people who, you know, they come from these tough backgrounds or they might see, and, 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 I, and I revert back to the ACE studies a lot, reverse childhood experiences. And a lot of people don't understand that, hey, if you had a father that was an alcoholic, that's an reverse childhood experience. If you have a father or a mother that's been out, in and out of jail, most of life, that's an reverse childhood experience. So what they're thinking is just regular and natural, just everyday life in the black community those are adverse childhood experiences that have damaging and lasting effects well into adulthood. Mm -hmm. So it's about getting them to understand, like, okay, first acknowledging this is what it is, okay? And I always say I break it down like this. It's acknowledge, accept, express, and then take action, okay? So you got to acknowledge what it is and also what it isn't. Then we have to accept that, yes, this is what happened, some things cannot be changed or undone, but you also have to accept that I am in control and I can make better choices to adapt to and grow from the things that I've been through. That there's things that I can control, but there's also things that I can control. And then the, 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 the expressing part, we have to express what we're going through. We have to be able to talk about our thoughts, our feelings, and what's going on with us. And a lot of times what you see is a lot of people, especially males, they want to suppress their feelings or emotions. They want to suppress, or like I like to call it, is emotional dodgeball. They want to play dodgeball with their emotions and try to duck, dodge, dip, and, and get out of the way of what they feel like the emotions are the enemy. And then once you're able to acknowledge what's going on, once you're able to accept what you can do, you're able to express 
your thoughts and feelings, then you got to take massive action, take action to be able to work on doing something different so that you can move forward from the places that you're stuck in. You know, the biggest part, Sister Queen, is that the hardest part of my job is when I deal with people that feel they can't have any better, they, they that they can't do anything better, that because of what they've been through, this is all they can have in life. And that's why I got into this because I used to, and I call it self-limiting beliefs and behaviors. I used to have that. I used to feel that way. So now we're going to skip over L and go right to F, which is future. People are paralyzed in their circumstances and can't envision a better future. Now we know L is lost. And the good thing about the self model, and one thing I love about it so much is that it's interchangeable. It's circular. It don't build on top of each other. So we might start at the F, but we can jump right over to future. You understand what I'm saying? It's interchangeable, but it's it's a compass through the land of adapting, healing, and growing from traumatic events or experiences. So we're at the future now. And the most thing and, and, and the main thing what I try to get people to understand is that you can have a better future. That your future does not have to be determined by your circumstances. You do not have to be defined by the things that you went through. And that's why it's so important to know thyself. That's why this self-model is so important. And this is something I picked up from Dr. Judy Bloom. And I picked it up working at a juvenile facility back in like 2012. And this was crucial, crucial part of my development, crucial part of my life. And this is something that changed my future. When I learned, because even before I knew the term, I was always understanding and responsive to trauma. You understand what I'm saying? Before I knew what the term trauma-informed or trauma-responsive was, I was always understanding and responsive to the effects of trauma because I lived it and I know what it does to somebody. So I always treated people like, hey, you're dealing with something. I know it's tough. I might not know exactly what you deal with, but I know the feelings of, I know how it feels to be angry. I know how it feels to be ashamed, how it feels to feel guilty. I know those feelings. I might not know your exact experience, but I know those feelings and what it does to you. So that's where I went with that. So when I got into I'm working at this facility and I got into the sanctuary model and they taught me the self model. Like that's something that really changed the trajectory of my life. Cause I started operating through safety, emotions, loss, and future. That's how I started dealing with people day in and day out and helping them process through those things to understand like, yo, you don't have to be this way. Cause what you see, and I know we're kind of getting off, but you know, getting off track, but what you see in trauma victims a lot, man. And, and, and the thing about it is, What's so beautiful about the self-model is I don't have to identify or acknowledge the individual specific trauma you went through. Exactly. I don't have to focus on a specific event. Trauma victims, disruption in your life comes down, it falls into four key areas. Safety, emotion, loss, and future. We talked about this the other day. When you go through a traumatic event, that disruption falls into those four key categories. You understand what I'm saying? So I don't have to deal with what exactly happened to you, I'm dealing with the effects of what happened to you and how we can manage that. Because right now, you're creating an unsafe environment, whether it's physically or when we say mentally, like the thoughts that you have. You're thinking about hurting somebody or hurting yourself. Or those self-limiting beliefs, self-limiting beliefs and behaviors are unsafe. And people don't even realize that. When you're talking about social safety, like you, you, you can't be around people right now. You don't trust anybody. You, you feel socially awkward. You're isolating yourself. We got to fix that. That's an unsafe environment. So that's what the beauty of this self-model is. I don't have to worry about the specific trauma that you've been through. I'm not addressing the trauma. I'm not addressing the problem. I'm solution focused. How do we deal with the effects 
of the problem? How do we deal with the effects of what happened to you? And once we're able to have that mindset shift from what happened to me to how I handle what happened to me, mm-hmm. that's that breaks me. Yeah, that that was the breakthrough for me. Yes. Before uh, I started heavily focusing on personal development, I, I had that victim mentality that, that right. like, why is this happening to me? How come life's so unfair? Why do people treat me so badly? Not understanding that it's my choice to show up to that job situation that then people are misusing and abusing me. Just like it's my choice to do what I need to to get the heck up out of there. Yes. Trying to take an accountability and, and becoming responsible for the fact that, like, okay, if I don't like the situation, I have to change it. Yes. I'm never going to stop using and abusing you if it's to their benefit. Man, the power is in our choices. And that's what one thing I talk about when I take people through my program, when I enroll my clients, the first thing we talk about is a mindset shift. And the most important mindset shift for me, one, is going from a growth mind to move from a to, from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset. And understand that you can change. The second is taking a hundred percent responsibility for your life. And when I say this, a lot of people get upset, Miss Johnson. A lot of people get mad when I say you either whatever where you're at in life right now, you either caused or allowed it. And they're like, what do you mean? What do you mean I caused? I didn't cause my trauma. I didn't cause for this to happen. And I didn't allow. Oh, listen to me. I said, where you're at in life right now is either because you caused it or you allowed it. So let me break down. Yes, we don't cause. There's things that happen to us outside of our control. And that doesn't determine our outcome. So you might not have caused the things that happen to you. Okay, but let's say you allowed the things that happen to you to continue to disrupt your life. Yes. You understand what I'm saying? You're allowing it to, to continue to hold you back, to continue to keep you in victim status because you're not taking 100% responsibility for your, for your life and say, you know what? I can't change what happened, but I can focus on adapting, killing, and growing from what happened. And that's, that's it. Yeah. And what, what, within the Black community, what are the most common cop-outs that you hear in, in regards to why people uh basically continue the destructive cycles well one is the stigma on mental health and addressing mental health it's a stigma on trauma a, a lot of times people just hey that's just what i've been through that's just how i came up it's so natural for us because all our lives we had to adapt so we're not looking at it like this is something horrendous or this is something very bad we're so numb to violence we're so numb to community trauma. We're so numb to the things that go on in and outside our homes that it's like, oh, this is just what it is. This is just a Monday. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Especially when I, was, I do my work with young people, they lose a homeboy, somebody gets shot and killed, and that's just a Monday. They don't really understand that, yo, this is something that is very tragic and detrimental. We got to deal with it and address it. Now they just want to keep it moving. The next thing is, well, you know what's inside the black community, man, we don't address real issues. Mm-hmm. We're scared to bring things to the table because they always say we don't air our dirty laundry out. And you know how that goes in our communities. Oh, absolutely. It's why you can you can literally have families. And this is this isn't even just the, the impoverished portion of our brothers yeah. and sisters, even well to do families. Uh, mm-hmm. uh what do we call them? Not aristocratic. Um 
affluent black yes, family. Yes. Even they have some deep dark secrets. It's like you, you, when you watch some of the things that goes on in Tyler Perry's productions, like that's based on actual things that sometimes happen in black families. The the yeah. the the child growing up thinking that his sister is his sister when the sister is actually his mom. Yeah. Stuff yeah. like that actually occurs. And that's why I said, what are some of the cop outs that you commonly hear? Because um when Say in the instance you are a child that grow up thinking your your mother is your sister, and then you eventually get that shock of that's your mom when you're like 18, 19 years old. What kind of effect is that supposed to have on a kid? What was the point of telling that lie in the first place? That's tough, man. Um, you know the the, the thing about it, man, with, with, with us in our in our community, man, we'd rather go through a personal hell. Than to go through a, 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 some 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 public heaven, some public freedom. You understand what I'm saying? We'd rather keep that stuff buried deep down inside and let it just rip through our families for generations, than to address it and say, you know, we don't have it all together. Things are, and we're going to seek help, whether it's through group family therapy, individual therapy, individual coaching. But we're going to seek help. We're going to fix. These generational curses, we're going to fix these generational things that are going on within our family. How many times do you see molestation or sexual abuse happen within the black family and it gets swept under the rug or it doesn't get talk, talked about? That doesn't, that, that it happens more often, I feel, in the black community than, than in others. Um, and I should say black family, but um, it happens in, in many different ethnic ethnic groups and races but we're, we're talking about the black family right now and the the occurrence the the level of occurrence that i've witnessed just working with people that i've worked with it, it's disturbingly high yeah you can't you can't stop a cycle like that without acknowledging that it exists thank you on top of that I didn't realize how prevalent it had been in my own family at one point in time mm. because we didn't talk about it. Don't talk about it. And, and, and you know, the funny thing, Ms. Johnson, just because you don't talk about something don't mean that it goes away. It exactly. doesn't mean that it's, it's not there. And that's what trips me out is you think because you hired a barrier that it doesn't go, oh no, it comes out. And if you don't manage it, it's going to manage you and come out in ways that you don't like, like on your job in your relationships. You understand what I'm saying? It's controlling you. I'm going to break this down to you, man. There's a, and, and a lot of people, when we talk about trauma, there's public trauma and then there's private trauma. Public trauma are things like accidents, like something like a natural disaster, something like 9-11 or terrorist attack or something like that. The COVID-19, public trauma, right? The thing about it is, with public trauma, there's a mass response to fix, to be there, to connect with people, to help people, to help people through it. And that's one of the main differences in healing. Healing from trauma starts with relationships, connecting, acknowledging, accepting, expressing, and then taking action. You understand what I'm saying? So what happens now with private trauma, we don't acknowledge, we don't accept. We don't express, we don't take action. So it's hard to get that healing. People want to bury it deep down inside and don't allow people to come to your aid because you feel shamed or you feel embarrassed or anything like that. I'm going to be very transparent with you. 
the, the sexual abuse I suffered was, was inside the family mm. from an older male relative. It wasn't really dealt with. It was dealt with in anger, frustration, and it left me feeling confused. It left me with a lot of questions. Um, my mother was very angry. You know, we had a family sit down with my grandparents, and that's as far as it went. And then it was like, it was nothing else. And the only other time my mother asked me about it, and I'm not faulting my she did what she 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 operated off of what she knew at the time. Mm-hmm. So I'm not faulting my mother about it. you know. We took, but we had one conversation about it back in 2010, and that's when all this stuff came up with Eddie Long. When that remember when that stuff first broke, when he was accused of you know for the things he was doing inside his church, molesting them boys, whatever the case may be. And it mm-hmm. came up and she asked me like, "Am I okay?" Have and this was when I was 30 years old. You understand what I'm saying? And this is the first time we really talked about it since the incident first happened. And I said, yeah, mom, I'm good at 30. You understand what I'm saying? I'm, I'm good now. I, you know, that's something that I compartmentalized and really didn't focus on. But we got to do a better job of, if we're, if we're going to heal from this trauma, we're going to drop this baggage. We got to do a better job of acknowledging where we're at and accepting that trauma is it, the, the commonness of trauma is real. Like it happens to a lot of people. You're not the only one. Stop bearing it down aside. Stop hiding it because it's it's coming out. Just because you don't speak about it doesn't mean it's not coming out and or or affecting your life. It's showing up in different areas of your life and it's causing you many issues. That's why you. That's why you can't be safe. That's why you're not able to effectively manage your emotions. That's why you can't deal with the losses that come in life. And that's why you can't envision a better future because you don't want to address the things that you've been through or things that you are going through. That's absolutely accurate and, and extremely true. And that's why I'm extremely like, I'm humbled and honored to have you on this show because there aren't enough people that are willing to, one, talk about what they've been through themselves, even if yeah. at one point in time they might have felt ashamed of it because they didn't mm-hmm. know that it was common. They didn't know that the way that it's typically handled is not usually the right way. It ends up usually mm-hmm. more trauma and confusion than necessary because now you're sitting here holding on to this big, deep, dark secret and it's coming out in the form of promiscuity. It's coming out in the form of yeah. drugs, coming out in the form of uh, uh, domestic violence and the like, and nobody knows the trigger or or the root of it, and we're we're put into a position that we feel too ashamed to confront what the actual root is. And by the time you could get to a certain age, and you never really learn to communicate on the level necessary in order to get it out, a lot of people feel that it's too late for them. And I'm like, no. You could be 45, 50, 60, even 70 years old and still work through this trauma and live out the rest of your life the way that life's meant to be lived. Never too late. But you know what it is, sister? A lot of people, like I said before, they want to stay in that comfortable hell. You know, because healing, to adapt, heal, and grow is uncomfortable. It is ugly. It is painful to address you and work on you. It's easier to say, well, this happened to me, so this is why I'm this way. It's easier to say, well, it's because of that. It's because of what mommy did or what daddy didn't do. Listen, yo, I had my daddy issues. And and I just let my daddy issues go 
in the middle of April. I was just able to forgive my dad and, and, and understand that he did the best he could. That plagued me for so long. I had so much anger inside me towards my dad that I could start a Mack truck. You understand what I'm saying? Like, I almost killed my dad at one time. If it wasn't for my family members in the arena, I had to go on my way over there, and I was going to blow his brains out. I mean, I mean that. Mm. But God is through, through my family that prevented me from making that terrible decision based off my emotions, based off how I viewed myself because of the things that he'd done. And sister, in April, I was just able to let him let it go and forgive him and forgive myself, most importantly. And it was, a, it was a beautiful thing. But you know the ironic thing about it? I let this happen on April 15th. I was able to let it go. April 30th was his two-year death date. So mm. I was holding on to this. And he's been dead and gone for almost two years before I was able to let it go. You understand what I'm saying? And, and, yeah, I had to. And I, and I started with writing him a letter. And I started a letter a year ago. And it took me all the way through a year to keep writing different letters. And it, as I began to really process and heal, when I began to adapt, heal, and grow, the letters started changing. The tone in the letters, it went all that anger and frustration. And things started disappearing. And all the compassion and understanding and responsiveness started showing up in my letter. And a lot of times when it comes to that forgiveness, man, and that's what's holding a lot of people up from healing, they think forgiveness means that you're okay with what happened. They can they they confuse forgiveness with you know compliance or that you're that you're cool with that. Like you're you're accept like that's okay that they did that. No, that's not what that means. Forgiveness means you're able to acknowledge this is what it was. I can't go back and change that, but I'm letting it go. I can't keep on holding that over you anymore. I can't keep on holding over myself because it's hurting me inside. That doesn't mean I'm okay with it. And also, forgiveness does not equate reconciliation. That's another thing. Just because I forgive you don't mean we have to come back and reconcile and get back together again. No. Sometimes, the, sometimes what you need to forgive is, is something that if you were to reconcile, it would repeat the cycle all over again. Thank you. Thank you. So sometimes when you forgive and let them go, they need to stay over there and you can love them from afar. Yes. Love one, but they don't need to be in close proximity to you if they are still a toxic individual. And you need to acknowledge you might love them, but you still need to acknowledge who that person is and act accordingly. Because I, I, I've learned that lesson the hard way a few times in life. The most recent one actually being last year. But at the end of the day, um, again, our greatest growth comes just outside of our comfort zones. I got out of my comfort zone. And when I got out of my comfort zone, started uh, I started seeing things from a broader perspective. Yes. Seeing the long-term consequences of failing to make a hard decision now. That's it. The, the, failing to make the hard decision, a tough choice. People, A lot of people keep themselves stuck in misery because they refuse to make the hard choice because they're indecisive. Yeah. Because of uncertainty, because they're scared, because they don't know what that looks like. They know what this hell looks like. They know what this mental and emotional bondage look like, but they don't know what that freedom looks like. That's uncertain. And people struggle with uncertainty. So they're scared to take that leap or that jump into that freedom, into that heaven that they can experience because they don't know what it looks like. Absolutely. So, Brother King, we have actually reached the end of our show. And as you know, I... 
I love the message that you share. I love the way that you say it. I love the experiences that you have to actually speak from a place of authority to mm-hmm. our, our little brother kings and sister queens that need somebody that's been where they're at to talk to them. That's why I, I absolutely love William Hollis and my coach, Dr. Jerry Bobo. Y'all mm-hmm. are some things you can actually reach these youth, but also help our brother kings that are a little bit older. Um, in honor of Father's Day, what advice would you have for our brother kings that have children but are scared to step up to the responsibility of being in their children's lives like they should? And the sister queens that push them away when they are trying. The most important thing is, man, they had to put aside their, their personal differences and realize it's for the benefit of the child. They had to stop being selfish and operating in their dysfunction and passing that dysfunction on to the child. For the man, and, and and as a man who wanted his dad in his life, regardless of whatever happened with the mother, with my him and my mother, as a man, a a a, a fellas, go out there and, and 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 talk to your child. Do your best you can to 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 connect with your child. You don't have to be perfect. They don't want you to be perfect. They want you to be there in their life. They want you to be consistent. They want to know that you care about them, and they don't want to hear it just in words, but show them. There's ways around. The, the the ignorance that comes from mothers that try to prevent their their, their child from seeing their, their their fathers do everything you can to talk to your child to show your child that you love them because that's what these men especially these male children especially the sons they need to know that dad is there they need to know that dad is in their lives and you got to go if you gotta if you gotta part the Red Sea if you gotta cross you know it, it, whatever bridge you gotta cross to get there to that child. You can get there and show that you're making an effort to be in that child's life. And for the mothers, hey, man, cut the hell, man. Like, yo, talk through it. Learn to effectively manage your emotions and communicate the frustration, the pain, or the hurt that you're feeling about how things ended between y'all two. Have a conversation from a safe place. Talk through it so y'all can come up with some, some, some common grounds to be able to work through this for the child, for the child. Beautiful. So before we jump off of here, I'm going to let y'all know how to connect with this brother King. If you love what he was hearing, saying, if you are seeking a mentor, a coach, or just looking for somebody to, to follow to kind of get an idea of who this brother King is and what he brings to the table, he has a group called Victory Village on Facebook. This is the link. I'm actually going to drop it in the comments so you guys can click it and go check it out. I know it's hard to write this down. <laughs> You don't want to get a letter jacked up or anything like that. So I'll be sure to drop it in the comments as well. But if you want to connect with the Brother King on Instagram, his handle is dbempowers. And if you would like to contact him directly through email, you can contact him by going to DerekButlerEmpowers at gmail.com. If you'd like to get a hold of me or follow me on Instagram, my handle is at thebrandyjohnson quite simple. If you'd like to get a hold of me privately via email, theflq365 at gmail.com. And if you would like to join my Facebook group, FLQ, the Empowerment History Networking Facebook group, just simply go to flq365.com. Now, my birthday is actually this week. And if you're many people that love me on a different level my my cash app handle is brandy pro services 
Absolutely not mandatory, but I figured I'd share anyhow. So you have any closing thoughts for us, Brother King? Yes, ma'am. I actually do, man. To all my men and women out there, I need you to understand that whatever happened to you, whatever you've been through, it's not your fault. It's not your fault what happened to you. And you can adapt, heal, and grow from what happened to you. You are not what happened to you. You are not the thing that you went through. And you can adapt to the growth and what happened to you, but you have to step out there and take action to do that. You have to step out there. And you don't have to stay stuck where you are. If you're not where you want to be in life and it's based on something that you went through and you're having a hard time and struggling, reach out. There's resources all around. Even if it's not for me, I'm not advocating just for me. I want people to reach out. You got this sister queen right here that you can talk to. There's other people that you can talk to, but you don't have to carry this load by yourself. Absolutely. Now, before we jump off of here, I want to remind everyone that we have a new show called The Coach and the Connector with myself and the sister queen, Carrie Crosby. And we will be coming to you live tomorrow at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So be sure to check that out. Um, the flyer as well as a link as to where to be in order to see the show live will also be provided. It'll be on my page. It'll be shared to Carrie's page. And we also have... Uh, um, Facebook group, The Coach and The Connector. <laughs> so check that out as well. So we absolutely hope that this information has helped you guys think. It, it has helped you to, to be in a position to seek help or even put your foot in the arena. If you've had similar experiences and you're coming to a place that you feel that you can help others, get with Coach Derek. Because if you're a coach or you feel like you can be a coach or a speaker or influence or be an impactor, a positive impactor, not only on black youth, but youth in general. Get with Coach Derek and see what y'all can come up with because we need more advocates for our youth, all youth. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's all we got for you guys today. Thank you for joining us. God bless, and we'll catch y'all again soon. See you guys. Bye, y'all.